It's good to be here this evening again. appreciate you being here. If you're visiting with us, we especially welcome you. We're thankful that you're here and being a uh, part of our meeting that's been going on this week. It truly has been a pleasure for Lisa and I to be here and to spend this time together with the congregation and, uh, and do our part of this particular meeting. We certainly appreciate the invitation that was extended to do that. We've been talking all week long about uh, we're part of a family. In several different ways, we've looked at that. Sunday morning, we talked about the fact that the, uh, that the church is called the house of God. We're part of the family of God from a church standpoint. We're part of a family and have individual responsibilities within that church. We're part of the kingdom of Jesus Christ or the house of God in a universal sense. We've talked some this week about being a part of a family from a standpoint of responsibilities of moms and dads and children and, and, and those type things. Tonight, specifically, I've entitled the lesson, Building God's House. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the process of building God's house and the process of building something. And I know many of you may know this, but uh, I do real estate inspections kind of as a, uh, a means to supplement my income and, and support my church work habit. And, uh, so, and I've been doing it for several years. I was licensed originally in 1999, uh, code certified in the year 2000, which is part of what I want to talk to you about tonight. Um, when I was code certified in the year 2000, there have, since then there have been multiple changes that have happened to the code. Code changes all the time. Uh, but I do real estate inspection when people are buying and selling houses or maybe code compliance type inspections for builders, that type of thing, and really enjoy the process of building. I, I love construction. I love that aspect of things and really enjoy that. And I want to talk to you a little bit about building tonight. And when anytime you go to building a project, we just recently built a house um, and have just finished completing a house recently. And anytime you sit down to build a house, the very first thing you want to do is to recognize the ultimate point of what it is you're trying to accomplish. And I, one of Lisa's my favorite verses is Psalm 127, verse number one, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Now, when we start talking about physical construction, that may not be the ultimate purpose, but in the big scheme of life it is. Uh, we want the Lord to be behind what it is we're doing, and we give honor and credit and glory to God for the things that we do. When we start talking about the house of God or the church, like 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 15, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth, building the house of God church. I'm not talking about the physical structure of the church, but the church, the people, the called out. You want the purpose to be right behind it. And that is, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Lisa and I love that verse. And in our house, we have a Bible opened up, and it's the big family Bible. And that Bible is opened up to this verse. Because we want that to be the premise and the foundation of our marriage is except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. When we go to worship with other saints and we talk about building a congregation and over the last 20 plus years, Lisa and I have been involved in church work and, and establishing a new congregation on the north side of Houston and that type of thing, uh, we want the purpose to be right. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. So it doesn't matter in what context you use the term house, whether we're talking about our families, our individual families, meaning moms and dads and children, or whether we're talking about the church of the living God, you want the purpose to be right. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And I want you to keep that in mind. So planning plays into that. So when we're, when we're building a physical house, meaning, you know, a three bedroom, two bath sort of type house, 
Planning is a very essential part of that. In fact, it's a huge part of that because if you don't plan properly, you get down to the end of that project and you're building on something that's got problems, you're having to work your way past those problems all the way around. We were building a project one time and the plumber missed a wall by foot. And, and he did that before the concrete was poured. He missed the wall by foot before the concrete was placed. And at the time, we're thinking about the plumber having to dig all that back up and move all those lines. And there, there were multiple lines down that wall line. And we thought, it's not a problem. We'll move the wall a foot. We, we can make that happen. We'll move the beam. We'll move the wall. All that one foot. But I will tell you that that problem created us a problem all the way through the project to the very top. Because when we ordered trusses, guess what? The trusses were now bearing on a wall that was a foot away. And the trusses had to be reconfigured and redesigned and re-engineered because we were off one foot on the wall that was underneath those, those trusses. It continued to haunt us all the way. And, to, and we got to the very end and we had cabinets that were setting inside that area. And it popped us again because there was underground conduit going to an island. And guess where the underground conduit coming to the island was? That foot made a huge difference. And so now we've got a problem getting electrical to an island, a cabinet that we've set down inside that area. All because of a planning problem, really, or a problem early on in the process. Planning matters. We sit down to draw plans for a house nowadays, and people just think, you, you just draw this out, and we're going to build us a house. I want a three-bedroom, and it's interesting sitting down with customers, and, and they'll say, well, I want a bathroom here, and I want a bathroom here, and they draw a line, and they say, let's put a bathroom here and a bedroom here, etc. Well, then we start drawing in three-and-a-half-inch walls, and all of a sudden, they don't have any space anymore. They don't have room for a bathroom in there because three-and-a-half inches plus three-and-a-half inches plus three-and-a-half inches Plus three and a half inches, it all adds up and it all starts at the planning stage. You can't just throw stuff up without proper planning. So I want you to think about that for a moment in the context of marriage. Do you realize that before you get married, there ought to be some planning involved? There ought to be some concern about what we're trying to accomplish in the marriage, what decisions that are going to have to be made in the marriage and that's where pre-marriage counseling or pre-marriage bible studies comes into play is to deal with some of those issues make sure young couples especially have walked through those particular issues but you know when it comes to the church some planning ought to come into into play we're establishing a congregation of the lord's body we ought to be thinking in terms of planning and appropriate planning part of that planning is the next thing i want to visit with you about and that has to do with code now, I mentioned to you that I was code certified in the year 2000, and I love code. I had been very blessed in my real estate inspection career, quote-unquote career, to work with some guys that were amazing code machines. I mean, they were code-spitting machines. And so I got trained with those guys, and to be honest with you, I, I would say it was the providence of God to give him credit or glory for it, but I thought I knew construction before I got a hold of these guys. And I'm telling you, they put me through the ringer 
as far as code is concerned. So I come from a background that says in the IRC code section R308.4, item number six, exception number five, says you need safety glass in 24 inches of the curve of the door in a closed position unless it's next to an interior closet door that's shallower than 36 inches. That type of idea. Those guys can just, they spit it out like Bible. They're like the Truman Teals of, of Bible quoting. I mean, literally, it just amazed me when I spent time. One guy that I worked very close with for a period of time, his name was Michael Graves. Michael Graves belonged to a denomination. He's a spiritual individual. He's a fantastic guy to work for. He's a good moral man, all that sort of stuff. But he taught me a lot about building. And if I ever sat on a job and I talked to a superintendent and they were questioning things, I'd go, you know, if you don't like me as an inspector, I can always send Michael Graves over here. Because Michael Graves is like the code-quoting spitting machine. But you know, I sat in the office with Michael Graves one day and Michael said, you know, I wish I knew the Bible like I knew the code. He said, I've spent my entire life learning book, chapter, and verse of the International Residential Code. He said, but I don't know the Bible. He said, I'd like to know the Bible like I know that. And I want to tell you, it's important for us to understand the code that we're going to. If you're going to build your marriage on something, and you're going to properly plan your marriage, and you're going to approach your marriage from a godly standpoint, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it, then you want to know what code you're going to, and the appropriate code, and understanding it, and putting that in our hearts, etc., so I'm going to give you a little bit of a building lesson very quickly because I just want you to get some concepts about code. Now, when I first started uh, studying to be code certified, this book right here is the CABO 1 and 2 Family Dwelling Code. I want you to notice the date down in the lower right-hand corner, 1995. Okay, That was the code book that I tested out of. Because even though it was the year 2000, the 1995 code was what was in effect at the time. Okay? Now in 1998, they came out with another code. It had not been adopted yet, but I want you to notice that. It, uh, it is the something one and two family dwelling code. It, uh, international one and two family dwelling code. And then they merged those code books with what's called now the international residential code. Notice the year 2000. And there's another one in 2003. I could keep showing you pictures. There's a 2006, a 2009, 2012, 2015. In fact, last September in the state of Texas, the state of, if you were building a house, last September the code changed. And we went from the 2006 code to the 2015 code. Meaning if you're building a brand new house today and you're pulling permits on the house, you have to have a 2015 code today. But I want you to think about that. That means last September, when you built the house, you were 10 years behind on code. That was what was enforced for that house. So if I went to inspect that house and I was using the code to inspect that house, I was inspecting according to the code it was built under, which would have meant 10 years old or the 2006 code. That's the book we would be pulling off the shelf. Now, it's really interesting in our business that a lot of times you'll see inspection reports, things like that, and, and this, let's say it's two years ago. The 2015 code was already out, but it wasn't in force. It had not been enacted in the state of Texas, and people were inspecting to the 2015 code. made no sense, because they weren't building to the 2015 code. Does that make sense to y'all? Y'all get the concept? So if I go look at a house that was built in 1967, would I expect that to meet the 2015 code? Hey, no, of course not. 
they didn't even know what some of that stuff was. And there's things in houses nowadays. There's We're trying to uh, put all these safety gadgets in houses like arc fault protection, ground fault protection, and safety glass, and bonding wires. And there's just all these things that are required in houses nowadays that they didn't even know about 1967. And there's millions of those 1967 model houses out there. That doesn't mean they're bad houses or anything. It's just that uh, you don't inspect to that level because it doesn't make any sense to do that. The code has changed and it changes from time to time. Now I'll tell you the code or the word of God, that doesn't change, right? The word of God, it stays the same that we're currently under, but there has been different codes through the history of time. There's been an Old Testament and a New Testament. And a lot of times people are planning, uh, they're, they're planning their church or they're planning their spiritual life, etc. And they're going to an old code to try to, to live according to those covenants. And that doesn't make any sense because a new covenant has come into effect. So I just want you to be aware of that. If you took all of those, uh, and I could keep listing to them, there are, there are multiple codes uh, that have happened and changed through the through time. And I'm thankful that the Word of God remains the same, especially for us today, that we're not worried about next year having an updated version of the code. You can learn the code that you ought to live your life by, which is God's Word, and you can be a code-quoting, spitting machine, and you don't have to worry about it changing, except they'll change the versions on you. They'll go to New King James instead of King James or that type of thing. But the reality is it's the same code. It's telling you the same thing to live your life by. So I want you to look at some scriptures with me tonight because we're going to talk about building the Lord's house, building your families, building your homes, building the Lord's congregation. What is it that we're using? We're using the code, the code, the one that Michael Graves wished he would have spent his life learning as opposed to a building code. The building code doesn't really mean anything. It means something when you're building a house, a physical structure of a house. But that physical building code doesn't mean anything to you and I as far as our lives are concerned. And for the most part, most of us don't even worry about that stuff if we're living in a house. You know, who really cares as long as the air conditioner comes on and we plug into the plugs and and it works and that kind of thing. But there are standards. And if you're going to build your house or you're going to build a congregation of people, we ought to be concerned about what standard we're under. So I want you to, to look at the concept of code in the Old Testament and the New Testament as well. Galatians chapter 3 verse number 19 in the New Testament says, Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come, to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now I want you to analyze that verse for a moment. I want to break it down. Wherefore then serveth the law? The law there is talking about the old covenant law. You look at the context of the passage. And determine that. But the old law, it is a pronoun. The pronoun goes back to the noun. It, the law, the old law, was added because of transgressions. What's a transgression? A transgression is sin. In fact, First John chapter 3 and verse number 4 says that sin is a transgression of the law. And I want you to notice in Galatians 4 and verse number 4, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. That phrase talks about Jesus living under the old law, okay? And we talk a lot of times about doing what Jesus did, living like Jesus lived, etc. And, you know, essentially I agree with that. But you know what day Jesus worshipped on? Saturday. So we don't do everything that Jesus did. Jesus came to establish a new covenant, a new law, a new code for us to be able to live by. Now go back to Galatians 3.19. Wherefore then serveth the law. 
if the old law was added because of transgressions or sin, till the seed should come. What or who is the seed? That same chapter, verse number, verse number 16 says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not into seeds as of many, but as of one into thy seed, which is Christ. Jesus Christ is the seed. Now go back to verse number 19. Wherefore then serveth the law, the old law, it, the old law was added because of transgressions or sin, till the seed or till Christ comes. Now if I say I'm going to be here till whatever time, 8.30, where am I going to be after 8.30? Say, well, somewhere different than here. The word till means something's going to change. And I will tell you that that old law that was added because of sin, till Christ came, something happened to that law once Christ came. I just want you to know that because it matters when you're building something that we're properly planning. You know, when we're building a physical house and we're drawing out the plans and we put three bedrooms and two bathrooms and a garage and a kitchen and we draw all that out in the plans, down in the lower corner of that plans, it, it, in the, on the document itself, it'll say, Code 2006 IRC. Saying that's what we're using, or the NEC 2014, or whatever, the National Electric Code 2014. We're establishing what it is that we're, we've drawn those plans to, what code we're adopting. And that matters when it comes to your home and your family and the church. What code is it that we're adopting? Are we adopting the old code? Jesus lived under the old code. Are we adopting that? Well, the reality is that changed. And that is no longer the code today. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 17. Jesus said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. You know what Jesus' purpose was? To come and fulfill the old law. And bring in a new covenant for you and I today. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 14. And if there were a verse I would want you to plant in your memory banks, it would be this verse. This is a very pivotal verse that explains the moment that the old law or the old covenant changed to a new covenant. Colossians 2 verse number 14 says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us and was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. He tells us exactly when those old ordinances and those old laws were done away with, when Christ was nailed on the cross. The very next verse, or two verses down in verse number 16, he says, Therefore... Let no man judge you in meat or in drink or in respect to the holy day or the new moon or the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. You know, anytime you see the word therefore in Scripture, that basically tells you you need to look before that because therefore is a concluding word. It's kind of like um, I took a class in college that had to do with uh, logic was the name of the class. And it would say things like um, Kent drives a car. All cars are blue, therefore, Kent drives a blue car, right? If all cars are blue and Kent drives a car, then Kent, therefore, Kent, therefore is a conclusion word. It says, based on these major premises and minor premises, here's the conclusion. And that's what verse number 16 of Colossians chapter 2 is talking about. Therefore, let no man judge you in meat or in drink or respect to the holy day or the new moon or the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. The holy days, the Sabbath days, all those, the eating of meats, etc., those were done away with, with the old covenant. And we live in a new law, a new covenant that Christ died for. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 9 and verse number 10 says, 
then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. When we read this a lot of times, and I hear it read in our congregations a lot of times, they're using the word will as though there's fixing to be a question asked. But will here is a noun. It's like a last will and testament. And and reread the passage and catch it. He said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He took away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. That's a noun. And that will he's talking about is the new covenant that you live under. He took away the first that he may establish the second. Hebrews chapter 9 explains to us the concept of a will. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. You know, not long ago, Lisa and I rewrote our wills. And... I get made fun of when I talk about this subject because apparently I have an accent, it's a Texas accent, and my wheel sounds like a wheel on a car, but I don't know how else to say it because my tongue does not work another way. But the reality is that we made up a last will and testament, and that will said, I, Larry Ty Fleming, being a sound mind and sound judgment, to hereby bequeath my assets in my last will and testament. Y'all understand what a will is? And then it, it state, stipulates, you know, in, in the case that I die or Lisa dies, two different wheels. She has one, I have one. And here's, here's what happens to our assets. Here's what's going to take place with our assets. But you know, that wheel doesn't come into effect until what? Or until when? Until we die. We have to die for that wheel to come into effect. For a testament is of force only after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. I'm the testator of that will. It's my last will and testament. And Lisa, I think the, the legal language today is a testatrix. She is a female testator. And she is the, she is the testator or the testatrix of her will. And it doesn't come into effect until she dies. When she dies, a new co- or, or that law then, or that will, comes into effect. We take it before a court or before a judge to get it probated, etc. But the reality is, it becomes a piece of paper that means something. It's got meaning behind it at that point in time. In the old law, Hebrews chapter 8, uh, well, Jeremiah chapter 31 in the old law, uh, Jeremiah was saying that There was going to come a new will, a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Jacob. He said, not according to the covenant that I gave them when uh, they came out of the land of Egypt, that covenant they broke, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. I'll put my law into their minds and put... uh, Put my words, etc. It's lost my brain. I put my law into their minds and I'll be to them a God. They shall be to me a people, etc. Now I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8 is almost an identical rendering of Jeremiah the prophet. Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 8, For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel uh, and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I'll put my laws into their minds and write them in their hearts, and I'll be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people." And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know them, 
from the least of, or all know me from the least to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith, a new covenant he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. Do you realize in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 8, all he is doing is saying that's been fulfilled from Jeremiah 31. And here is what Jeremiah was talking about. A new covenant has come into effect. And that is the covenant that we live under today. That's just like if I go inspect a house and the the house is being built according to the 2015 code. I don't go look at the 2006 code to document how that house is going to be built. And the law of God, we live under a new law, a new testament, a new covenant. And we don't go back to the old law to try to, to find out God's will for us today. Psalm 119, verse number 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Now, I recognize that these are psalms. This is, this is not Old Testament law per se. But this is a, one of the psalms of David. He says, I keep the word of God in my heart that I'll not sin against him. And we need to keep that covenant, the new covenant of God, in our heart. And that's what he promised in Hebrews chapter 8. I'll write it in their hearts. I'll be to them a God. They shall be to me a people. And if we're going to build a house, and we're going to build the Lord's house. We're going to talk about the church. It's the house of God, etc. Or maybe our house. I want to tell you, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And it's going to matter that we plan it properly and that we have the proper code, we're going to the right place to establish what it is that we're planning properly so that we've got the right diagram, the right model, the right map to get us in the right place. Look at the words of the Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 2. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You know, in the construction industry, there's always somebody that kind of wants to do it their own way. Regardless of what the code says, regardless of what the book says, they just want to do it their own way. Well, I think it's good enough to do it this way. Or I'm going to do it this way regardless of what the code says, because I just think that's a better way to do it. They've got a better plan. Let me tell you, that can happen to us among church circles as well. Or even in our homes, our families. We get to thinking we're smarter than the Word of God. And rather than applying the Word of God, applying the code properly, what we end up doing is we really ignore the code, and we go out there on our own, and we try to do it our way. And we end up really with a result that's not what we're looking for. What you really want in your home is God's blessing on your home. What you really want in your church life and your spiritual life is God's blessing on your spiritual church life. We're worshiping God. He's the creator. We're not. We're just being obedient to the word of God. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Because there are people with itching ears that are always looking for the next new thing. And, you know, we ought to be satisfied with what it is God wants for us if we're going to properly plan the Lord's house. And I pray for God's blessing to be with each and every one of you as you establish your homes and and you raise your children and you come to worship and you pray for God's blessing to be with you and that God has sanctioned what it is that we are doing. And we're going to keep talking about this over the next few nights about building God's house, because that's what, that's who it belongs to. That's, 
I, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I want our home, I want leases of my home to be what the Lord would want for our home. I want in our spiritual life from a standpoint of worship and church, I want it to be what the Lord wants. And to do that, I've got to open up the code book. And I love Michael Graves. He's a great guy. But he's right. He really ought to spend his life learning the Word of God. Because you can spend your life learning all kinds of stuff. And a lot of us do. We spend a lot of time reading books and all kinds of... Let me tell you, there's not anything greater you can do than to go to the code book of God. To go to the Word of God and put that Word in your heart. And it will help mold you and shape you after the image of His will. And that's really what it's about at the end of this story, this life story that we're living. May God bless your homes. May God bless our churches, our congregations, wherever they meet. That we truly are concerned about the Word of God and what He teaches and that we follow His instruction. And we'll see blessing from that. May His countenance shine down upon every one of you, every father and mother and child that's in this room today. Every husband, every wife, pray that the Lord would build that house. Because if not, we labor in vain that build it. If the church can help you this evening, we want to do that. You know what washes sins away today? It's the blood of Jesus Christ. We're assured that in His Word. We see Christ died on the cross to bring that covenant in. It took the shedding of blood. That, that new covenant was ratified by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that washes sins away. We can talk about a million things related to, to conversion, and a ton of those are good things to talk about. But I want to tell you, unless the blood of Christ touches your heart and touches your sins, you're still in your sins today. And I want to tell you tonight would be a great time for you to make a decision to come to Christ and have His blood wash your sins away. What can wash your sins away? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And if the church can assist you with that tonight, let's look to His Word for the answers. And let's build our life on that, because if not, we're laboring in vain. Won't you come and, and sit on the front bench as we sing this song that's been selected?